simple. It just means to prepare, to be prepared. We often take it to be prepared for Christmas. There's a lot going on, a lot to do. Kids, presents, dinners, gatherings, parties. We know the deal. But really, Advent, I mean, and it's a historic deal through the church, through the last 2,000 years, is to prepare our hearts to remember that God came to us, prepare our hearts that He will come again. And so as we light Advent candles, uh, they represent things that Jesus brings. We'll bring to you today. Hope, uh, joy. Today, we're talking about love. That He brings love. You know, and one simple way that you can show love is the poinsettias up here. Something that we do every year is those whom we love that we want to honor or in memory of those who've gone. Uh, We have on our card, our program for Christmas Eve, their names. So you should have a flyer in front of you. If there's a poinsettia you'd like to give a gift and honor and memory on Christmas Eve, please do that. That's a way to remember those that we love. And and we do love, and Christmas is a time for love. But as I've just prayed, and I don't know if you caught it, and you might have debated it, the love of others, the love of any human being, will not fully sustain us. I mean, it just won't. Some of you know that. Uh, Some of you haven't found that out yet, and all of us will. The only love that truly sustains any human being is the love of Christ. And so this is what we want to talk about today. And we're going to use a familiar person, but somebody who often, I think, gets overlooked in uh, the Bible. Todd talked about him. Joseph. Joseph. So let's read Matthew 1, and I'm going to read verse 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Uh, This is a familiar passage uh, if you love Christmas, if you love the nativity stories. And I think it can tell us a lot. You know, first, it just talks about Joseph and that he was descended from David. And, you know, the beginning of chapter 1, it goes through this lineage all the way back. And that's important, even though we didn't have time to cover it. Uh, often we can look at the Bible and be like, you know, name after name after name. But Matthew is trying to show that there is this lineage, that Jesus is in history. Jesus had a family. And we come to Joseph now, and there, there are really four things I want you to see about Joseph. And those four things, I believe, really, really apply to our lives and how we love and where we get love and how we give love. And the first thing about Joseph is that he was a righteous man. I mean, he was a 
He was a right dude. He was doing good. He did good. How do I know that? Because it said, her husband Joseph being a righteous man. So I take that into account. Like, he did a lot of good for people. For, you know, he's a carpenter. He's part of the community. He wanted to live a good life, do good deeds. He did good. Like many of us try to do good with our lives. And yet, second thing I want you to know or see, he was afraid. He was afraid. You're like, how do you know he was afraid? He doesn't say that. Well, the angel says, do not fear. So I take that to mean that he was, he was afraid of at least something. So doing good, I say it was being a good person, being a good community leader, uh, having your own ministry uh, as, as your life, mission, all that going, you can still be afraid. And if we're honest, and we try to be, we're all afraid. We all have fear. Like fear what? Same fears of Joseph. I mean, you can break them down, but the same fears. What Joseph fear? What was he afraid of? I believe, and it doesn't just spell this out, but reading it over and over again through the years and this week, Joseph was afraid. If he took Mary... One, his reputation would probably be destroyed because she was pregnant they were not married in that time. And reputation is important, especially if you're a small business owner in a small city and everybody talks and everybody gossips. Amen? No amens there? You don't gossip? Okay. No, nobody does. I know. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. We live in a metro area. No, it's kind of a small town here. Afraid of reputation. And I think afraid for the future. Like, man, what is this deal? She's pregnant. and uh, Often our greatest fears are our reputation, what people say, and our future. And, and we don't have a map. Joseph didn't have a map. This whole lineage before him that I didn't read. Abraham didn't have a map. David didn't have a map of the future. So there is this fear. So he's trying to do good, and he was afraid, just like many of us. And then... Most importantly, Jesus came. Jesus came. I mean, he wasn't born yet, but Jesus came. Just like Jesus wasn't born in the prophets of the Old Testament, but Jesus came. Through their word, through their prophecy, here through an angel and through a prophetic word, Jesus came to Joseph. He was a righteous man. The angel said, don't be afraid. But Jesus came. The message that was then is the message now. What is the message? One, he will save his people from their sins. And a big part of sin is fear. And you can say, I don't, I'm not afraid, or I'm a tough guy, tough gal, all that. But there is fear in sin. I'm going to show a passage in Hebrews in a little bit. See that Jesus came, Jesus comes to save his people from his sins and to let Joseph know and us know it's God with us. That you don't have to be afraid. Angels repeated this to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. There's actually this line throughout the Bible of people wrestling with fear, and that the love of God conquers that fear. The supernatural love of God. So Jesus came, and it's only then, after Jesus came, that Joseph obeyed. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He obeyed. So he's doing good, he's afraid, Jesus comes, he obeys. Let me say that again. He's doing good, he's afraid, Jesus comes, he obeys. 
Your life, my life. We're doing good, yet we're afraid. We don't say anything. Jesus comes, we obey. That, I would argue, is the plan. That is the pattern of your life, of my life, of Joseph's life. We're doing good. We're working hard, yet still afraid. Jesus has to come, and he does, and we obey. How did Joseph obey? Well, one, he, he took Mary. He honored Mary. He protected Mary. Uh, he continued to do his duty. He went to Bethlehem. After Bethlehem, they were looking to kill baby Jesus. He fled to Egypt. Uh, I imagine that was a tough road. I've never been to the Middle East. But going from Bethlehem to Egypt on a donkey, you know, not, not an easy thing. He cared for Jesus. He had other sons that were his natural children. He loved him, taught him the trade. I actually get emotional thinking about Joseph. He loved in a self-sacrificing way. He knew, I mean, he knew the deal with Jesus. Not that he was just God's son, which he knew, but he knew he, he wasn't his true son. And he gave this self-sacrificing love throughout his life. So as we talk about love today, I would say, I mean, the greatest love that we can give is the greatest love, if you know Jesus, that you have received, which is self-sacrificing love. When the Bible talks about love, and I've said this before and I will say it again because it's very important for you to, to know and understand. The Bible, the New Testament at least, is written in Greek. And in the ancient Greek language, and this is not too heavy and don't check out, okay? It's actually pretty fascinating. There are four ways to say love. We just say, I love, you know, I love, I love you, bro. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. You know, I love you, spouse. I love you, kids. And all those loves have different meanings. Well, the Greeks had different words for those different feelings of love. So you had one word for friend love, you know, love you, bro, love you, sister, you know, all that. Love you, you know, shooting out texts, love you, you know, all that, you know. That was a different word in, in the Greek. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. Love you, son. Love you, daughter. That, that was a different word that they distinguished. Uh, I love you, sweetie or sweetie pie or whatever you want to, you know, use or call that. I love you, you know, babe, you know. My wife's not here today, so. But I'm not going to go on with that. Now, that word in Greek was called eros. Sound familiar? We get the word erotic from that. Romantic love. And there was a fourth love, and, and several of you know this, but we all need to be reminded. And it was over and above the other loves. Because this love could and should fill those other loves. And it was called agape. And it literally meant self-sacrificing love. So when you see uh, love in the New Testament, not that you would read Greek, uh, most often I believe, and I'm no Greek scholar, I can't read Greek, but it is agape love. A love that is self-sacrificing. That is God's love for us. That is the love that's also used for us to show to others that we would sacrifice ourselves. The, uh, I said this a couple weeks ago. It's one of the most profound things I've heard in a long time. Uh, the secret of marriage. Anybody want to know the secret of marriage? Please raise your hand. I'm curious. Anybody want to know the secret of marriage? A few. I said this before. I, was, I think I'm going to say this again and again. Throughout life. The secret of marriage is very easy, yet very hard. The secret of marriage is very easy, yet very hard. 
See, your marriage is to give love when you're not getting any love. Give love when you're not getting any love. I would even expand on that and say the secret of life is to give love when you're not getting any love. And you're like, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm glad you connect with that. It's fine. I would just use this uh, illustration. Um, we talked about giving, and I'm not trying to tie this into year-end giving. I mean, if you want to read into that, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, whatever. But philanthropy, I mean, people who give a lot are getting a lot, okay? People who can give a lot to whatever cause or whatever as a philanthropist, the more they have, the more they're getting, the more they can give. Uh, this is true in our world, as I know it. Maybe you have a different, uh, you've seen something different. But when someone's receiving a lot and getting a lot and making a lot, then they can give a lot. So I would turn that over to you and say, if, if you're not like getting a lot of love, uh, you're either not able to give a lot of love or the love that you're giving is fake. And that can be the case often too. And I would also argue, as I said earlier, that the love that we try to get from loved ones and people will not always sustain and we're not always going to be getting that love. So how can we like live from the Bible and like be giving love all the time if we're not getting it or if it's faded? I mean, it's great to be like happy and you're getting love and then you can give love, but when those dry days and seasons come, we give love. So I've got two questions, real simple. Uh, where, one, where are you getting love? And I'm like, really for real, I'd really love you to think about this. Like, where do you get your love? Because we all need it. And if you deny it, I'd say you're lying. I say that in love. We all need love. We all need this affirmation. It's like wired into us, our DNA. Where are you getting love? Where are you getting love? And the second question we'll come to is where... Where are you giving love? Where are you giving love? So where are you getting love? Um, you know, just like Joseph. I said we're just like him. Here's what I mean by this. Man, we're trying to do good. Or we're doing good. We're working hard. And we're keeping a job or we're succeeding in a job or we're making strides in a career. We're doing good and yet we're still afraid. And I really, I, I want to be honest here. Okay? Not about me, but about like us. Like there's fear in everybody. And what's the fear? That we're not going to get love. If you boil it down. You're like, what do you mean? Because we're reaching for love in, in all these places, okay? Uh, yes, if you're married from spouse. Uh, yes, if, if not married from, from friends. Yes, as a youth. I mean, you want to have a, a connection to uh, dudes or girls that you, I mean, you feel close with. You don't want to be alone. You try to get love from affirmation of others, from career, from doing well in your job, from your position, uh, from your social status. And we can constantly, whether you realize it or not, you constantly walk in fear. Like, man, I'm not going not to be getting it. I'm not going to be getting the love that I need. And then, just like Joseph, we're doing good, we're afraid, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And I believe you've got to get Jesus to get Jesus. What I mean by that is you've got to get it, understand it, to get it, receive it. You've got to get his love. Like, you've got to understand it. So, passage up on screen, Hebrews, Hebrews 1. 
Do you know this Jesus? Do you know his love? Are you drowning in just trying to get love everywhere else when all the love you will ever need is available for you? Who is this Jesus? Start Hebrews 1. Look who, I don't know how you know Jesus. I know some of you know him or walking with him. Uh, I know some of you say you know him, and it's just, you know, the, the, the baseline salvation. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. You, you probably are, but, like, you don't know him like this. And I know that because I read this, and I'm like, man, I just don't think of Jesus like this. So Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Made the whole universe through Jesus Christ. Everything. Every particle in the cosmos. You. Your child, if you have a child, made through Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So the only reason we're here is Jesus is sustaining it. Jesus is holding everything together, holding this building together, this world together, this earth together, stars together. He's holding it together, if you believe this. After making purification for sins, that would be the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, that's a very like high, big, cosmic view of Jesus, which is totally true. Uh, and, and if you do listen in here, it's amazing that that, that grandeur, that, that picture of Jesus, that he became a baby, that he grew up. He was a child like the children uh, that we just saw singing, that he bled and died for you. And I know a lot of us have grown up hearing that, but we really don't get it. And we don't get his love. Another verse, it's not going to be up on screen, but if you flip to Hebrews 2, Hebrews 1 and 2 gives this great picture about Christ and the angels. And Verse 9, it says, Hebrews 2, We do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone. He might taste death for everyone. Crown with glory and honor because he suffered death. He that holds the universe together suffered death. He that holds the universe together died. So God with us experiencing everything. Let's skip down to verse 14 and 15. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, which we have in common with Jesus, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death, look at this, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear. There's that word again. Fear of death. I'm going to read this again. Verse 15. And free those who were held in slavery. You mean say, man, I'm not a slave. I'm not in slavery. We can be. All their lives by the fear of death. Jesus freed. Do we get it? You get it. You're like, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, I, I, then I just love to see it, bro. See us, you know. I want to see it in your life. So, again, we're trying to do good, yet we're afraid. And, I mean, I, I do. I fear death. I fear the death of loved ones. Probably fear the death of loved ones more than my own death. Although, you know, in honest, I'm not in all, like, you know, 
think you're going to live forever. So there's that fear. Jesus comes. Jesus comes by his word. And we obey. So, like, where are you getting love? You're getting it from the memory of a loved one? Uh, you getting it from all the family tradition? They're good. They're good. They're great. An idol is simply a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing in our hearts. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it can become ultimate. We can put our love and our desires for love in the wrong places. When the, the greatest of loves, the self-sacrifice, I just talked about that he conquered death, is, is here, is available. And that causes us to obey. If, if we get it, we can receive it. Where are you getting your love? And then the second question is just where are you giving it? Because you say, man, I get it. I got it. I, I know, Okay then where are we giving our love? Because there's another fear here too. Like again, same pattern as Joseph. Doing good, working hard, and yet there's fear. And we say, man, you know, we we got Jesus. I know, I, I know, but there's this fear. What's the fear in giving love? The fear is actually just that. You're afraid. We are afraid to give love. Why? Because to give real love we got to be vulnerable. we gotta, we got we to gotta be okay with getting hurt. And so where we're giving our love, often we're like, we will, we will hide uh, or we will not tell the whole truth. We will not be as giving as we should be because we are afraid to be hurt. I don't trust my words on that. This guy, C.S. Lewis, I like to quote. It's not scripture. It's not the Bible. So I always get that, but... It's a good quote, C.S. Lewis, and he wrote this book called The Four Loves. And talking about the four loves I mentioned earlier, the loves, the different words of Greek. So he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Amen, I've lost some dogs. Amen? Amen, did you hear that? Wrap it carefully round with hobbies, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I, I, I would argue it is, it is hard hard to give real love and the real love is the self-sacrificing love because it entails us to be vulnerable uh, to to be willing to be hurt to be willing to to give and to share truth and to be honest and then someone manipulate that or someone stab you in the back or someone betray you and so we even as the church we say we we get love and we don't we don't give it enough. We don't give it as much as, as we could because we want to, we want to be safe. So, so I mean, what's the answer to that? Well, when you know that you're getting all the love you need and you're not worried about other people's approval uh, or affirmation, then you can give love freely, generously, joyfully. And yes, sometimes they will love you back. Other times they may not respond. Other times they, you may be betrayed. Like, I don't know about that. Well, Jesus was. Follow the ministry of Jesus. It was pretty small. Okay. 
Uh, he, many people left him, and one of his closest betrayed him to his death. What did he do on the cross? Enemies all surrounded. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This self-sacrificing, self-sustaining love. And go back again, same pattern of Joseph. We're doing good, we're trying good, being good, doing good, great citizen, all that, rocking it out, is not enough. There's still going to be this fear. The only thing that will allow us to really get the love we need and give the love God wants to is Jesus. And we obey. We see that. One last passage, one last verse, because I would ask you, I mean, where are you, where are you giving love? I mean, are you giving love? You're like, yeah, I mean, we give love for those we feel something for. Do you give love for those that you don't feel anything for? 1 John 4, uh, 7 through 10. It should be up on screen. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. One other verse, it's not up on screen, but verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. I love this passage, and 1 John is all about love, but you know, I love it because it says, you know, you know we, we didn't start this thing called love, and it's not about our love to God, it's about Him first loving us. It's all God, it's all His act. He sent the Son, Jesus did the work, died for us. It's all Him. It's not what we do that saves us. It's all His grace. Yes, faith, believe, but the grace starts first. The grace that you are even here, or even heard it, maybe as when you were as old as one of these kids, or maybe at a youth camp or something, the grace that God gave you. The grace that God gave you to say, man, I want to I be here in the presence of, yes, brothers and sisters, to hear His Word, to try to receive the Holy Spirit amidst all the fears that we have. And we have them. And I think the biggest fear is that fear, man, we're not going to get the love we want. And that I'm afraid to give love because I get hurt. It's a very, very honest fear. It's a fear that I have constantly, constantly towards everybody in this church, honestly. Like, I don't give love, but, you know. I mean, the, the track record of history, not just the history of this church, but of every church, is, is one of, you know, Christians, let's say Christians giving love and getting betrayed and conflict. It hurts. It hurts. How do you keep going? How do you keep going in life? How does Joseph keep going? Joseph had a hard road. How do, you got to get love. Like if I just based all my ministry on your love, man, I'll, I'll, I'll dissipate. I'm, I'm gone. I'm a goner. If you just base all your love on, I don't know, the love of a small group or Love of a great family, also maybe a, maybe the love of a child. I mean, it's 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 going to go dry. It's going to go dry. There has to be this this overarching, this supernatural, this spirit filled, infused love that you're getting somewhere else, and it's not of this world. And if you're just looking for the world, and Christmas is great, and all the trappings and wrappings and all that, January cometh. <laughs> 
you know? Or February cometh, or whatever. I know hunting season in January, so it's kind of like extended. But there's going to be, there's going to be that, that void. Man, girl, dude, sister, brother. There's going to be that void. And what I see all the time in ministry is like, like it's good and everything, but like we are all trying to get love from places that, that are good, but it's not going to be fully sustainable. And the, the real deal is just it's right. It's, it's, it's just at our fingertips always, always. So I close you know, with this. Uh, the Bible, Christianity, the whole shebang, the whole deal, you could, you could boil it down, you could funnel it down, one word, love. I mean, well, down to Jesus too, I know. But like the love of God in us. Uh, great theologian named Karl Barth, uh, he said something all of you know. You don't know he said it, uh, but he was asked, like, wrote all these books, did all these things. Some of you may know his name, and uh, he was in a university setting in his older age, and a student asked, you know, what is the main thing that you have learned in all your studies, all your writings, all your speakings, all of it? That is simple. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Look, listen, nowhere in there did he say, I love Jesus. Nowhere in there did he say, you know, I've, he sent me on mission. Did you catch that too? And, and you're like, well, he's not the Bible. I, I get it, but I would agree with him. Jesus loves you. This I do know because the Bible tells me so. And I want you to get, I want me, I want us, I want the world, but I mean, the devil's real, sin is real, it's, it's a slog, but I want you to get his love and getting it in the understanding part, like I get it, so you can get his love and receive it and fully blossom as a Christian so you can give his love. I want you to get his love so you can get his love so you can give his love. And always have an opportunity, not just at church, I mean in your homes, in your prayers, you're like, man, he loves me that much. He will always love me that much. He will never stop loving me that much. He, he loves me more than my parents love. He loves me more than my spouse he, lo- he loves me this way. He knows you personally. The sustainer of the universe is there to sustain you. So that you can give over and above. And people say, man, I don't know how that person, I mean, he just keeps, keeps loving joyfully. I mean, he's even in depression, even in, in death. I mean, he, she, that church. Just, just loves, it is, it is not natural, it is supernatural. And it is always available. His love, what he's done. So, I pray we get it. So we get it. And we give it. Uh, now is an opportune time. I'm going to ask worship team, those who are helping with communion, come on up. We're going to get ready to... Maybe get, and maybe get, uh, the love of Jesus by taking communion as a church body. I invite uh, all of you, uh, and as we do this, you know, I, I think that I read something actually last night about communion. You know, one of the reasons we do it in the Bible, it says to remember Jesus, but also we do it to remember because it's very easy for us to forget. 
I mean, it's very easy for us to get caught up in, in just life and be like, yeah, you did this and I know. So this is it's really an opportunity for the Spirit to break into your life and, and show you in, in a very simplistic, uh, very small but big way with, with bread that you may not even like to taste or just a small dip. That's, it's really for remembering so that we won't forget the love of God for us. Yes, Jesus came, but not to relate to you. He came to die for you. I mean, the whole purpose of Jesus coming on earth is to die to save us from our sins, to show the love God has for us, to show His glory and honor, these things that we sing about. So this is an opportunity to remember that, maybe to know it for the first time. So I hope that you will. Uh, Those who are members, this is a time where you can give back. I pray that you give joyfully. I pray that you give in love. I pray that it's not a, a hard thing to give. I pray it's not a hard thing for us to give love. So I'm going to pray. Ushers will invite you from the back and invite you to come forward and remember the love God has for you. Lord, let, just let us remember, let us know, let us receive, let us give uh, your love that we see most in Jesus. In his name, amen.